0: Why do I always have to be right? It is a burden. It's a blessing and a burden. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA, 710. I am Dave at home. Why must I always be right about these issues that so many of you are so far behind on? Not all of you. Yeah, I got to tell the truth. Way too many soccer lovers like you and me are so wrong about this issue. Why do I always have to be right? And it pains me. Because nobody wants to listen. And that issue is video-assisted replay. And I'm going to bang that drum until you people finally get it. And the big shots who are running this sport and ruining this sport with video replay and all sport finally hear me. Hello, this is Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710, the home of world football in Southern California. We go right to the Champions League, who is using video replay, right? And the call is made in the Ajax versus Real Madrid game. It's yesterday's match in the round of 16. It's the first leg. It's the second day of the first leg matches of this week. There were a couple on Tuesday that really had no real significance in terms of the video-assisted replay. But then on the Wednesday matches, Ajax hosting Real Madrid. Ajax get a goal. It's overturned on a dubious offside at best. I'm not even going to beef that much about the actual call. The biggest problem I have with it is they're slowing this stuff down. It, it it has to be used. Now, I'm not saying that the NFL always incorporates this appropriately, but doesn't it have to be just incontrovertial, incontrovertible, whatever the word is, <laughs> 100% that it's absolutely wrong, the initial call, right? Incontrovertible, I think it is. I don't know, whatever the word is. Doesn't it have to be just wrong, so easy to call to use the replay to reverse a call, right? The goal was called. But then they reverse it, they say uh, no goal. It's the death of sports, first of all. Now, you can argue that well, Denholm, it was offside, he made the right call. Here's the whole issue I have with it. It wasn't the Ajax-Real Madrid game, in fact. It was Tottenham. In the other game against Borussia Dortmund, now you're saying it's three 0 Denholm. What is? There was a call in the game in that Tottenham game, right? That they reviewed. All of a sudden, they review for a handball. But here's the thing: there was a. It could have been called back to a point where. What do you do? Then later, there was a call about. A possible offside. And here's my whole point of the argument. And I can use a a hypothetical because it works just the same. If you wait to determine if it's offside, right, and the play continues, you don't make the offside call, let's say, or, right, you don't stop play, obviously, and then a free kick is given or a corner kick is given, what if it was offside? they don't make the call they don't go back and review it because nothing happened or maybe you know it didn't result in a goal or then they get a free they get a corner kick out of it how far back can you go with this stuff is my point right like all these little things change the flow of games that are not necessarily taking a goal away or giving a penalty kick but it changes the dynamic and that's why it's so wrong, because it cannot be 100% right. Can't be. They, we saw it in MLS all last season. You don't know what they're going to decide to look at. Yeah, sometimes they make the right call, quote-unquote, using video replay. But how fair is that if the next game or the game that's also going on at the same time, the referee won't even go check video replay? How fair is this system then? It has to be 100% right on every call, and they must all agree to make the right assessment on what to even look at, or the system fails. In That, it, that can't be argued. It's inarguable. Every call must be correct. Every decision to even look at video replay must be right and must be adjudicated efficiently and equally through every MLS game, or as in this case, Champions League, or the system is a complete and utter failure. Guess what? Those parameters cannot be met. It's impossible for humans to do that. Therefore, the system fails. It's just math. Don't tell me, well, they got this call right, this big call. If they don't do that 100% of the time... The system is a complete and utter disaster, and that's what it is. Now, again, this is no malintent. The intent is good. Soccer, football, you know, obviously the NFL's been using instant replay. NBA uses it to a certain Every sport is using it now to a certain extent. The intent is legitimate. In some ways, I think the intent is actually pure. It's to get the call right, quote-unquote. These systems all fail. They're all wrong. Because if you're not 100% right, you're 100% wrong in the way you go about it or the calls themselves. Either or. And we're we are we're human beings. Therefore, they can't be 100%. It's the death of passion. That's another argument, which I think people are starting to catch on to. I've been screaming about this for years. Finally, people are starting to listen to me. A sport like soccer is built on passion, more so than other sports, as crazy as that sounds to some people who don't like the beautiful game, maybe. But you're built on passion to that build-up, to that goal that's finally scored. You cannot afford to be crashing down everybody's dreams with instant replay. Right or wrong, get to call right or not, the sport can't abide by that. So those are the two major factors, and again, they show themselves. Because in the Tottenham game with the call that was made, well, what if you just let it play out? What if because you gave them a corner kick when they didn't deserve it, they score on the, on the uh, corner? Are you going to pull that back? No. And there it goes. It's a disgrace. I mean, people, come on, just let referees and assistants or whatever make bad calls occasionally in every sport. They still do. They still don't get it right all the time. They still don't choose the right plays always to look at. What is the point? What are you people striving for? The only people in sports we demand perfection out of are referees. If we demanded perfection out of managers and players, they'd all be fired every week. It's ridiculous. And I'm tired of being the. why do I always have to be right about this stuff? Pay attention. Come around. The next league that tells me, you know what, we've decided we're going away from Instant Replay, I will love you forever. On this blessed Valentine's Day, happy Valentine's Day, I will love you forever, whichever league and commissioner decides we're going away from Instant Replay, we're not using it anymore. You will have a fan forever, and I will become even more diehard for whatever league that is. Wow, just your thoughts. Give it to me on Twitter. I don't look. There just cannot be any legitimate argument to keep instant replay anymore based. If you just break it down the way I did and those. How can you disagree with that? And I don't mean like, oh, because I'm right. It's just common sense. It's simple math. Oh, but if they get a few more calls right down home, then it makes a big difference. If you don't get them all right, somebody is getting screwed in the system. I mean, it's just that simple. On the pitch, we saw Real Madrid get out to a 2-1 lead after the first leg. Those two goals were on the road, of course, from Kareem Benzema and Asensio getting the second one. Amps, uh, Ajax did get a goal through Ziyech in the uh, 75th, so it's 2-1 Real Madrid. I mean, Ajax has a shot. They're going to have to go score some goals in Madrid. Tottenham, though, buried Borussia Dortmund. This is what I wanted to get to. You know what the scoreline was for that game? It was Mauricio Pochettino, Pochettino 3, Lucien Favre nil. Oh, did Pochettino just outs, absolutely out-coach Favre into the ground? We will discuss that more, that 3-0 thrashing by Pochettino over Borussia Dortmund's manager, Lucien Favre. That was just absolutely a debacle managerial-wise for Lucien Favre. I want to break that down. Christian Pulisic was a part of that for Borussia Dortmund. Although, look, we'll talk more about that coming up. Max Bredos, the voice of LAFC on YouTube TV. We'll get into some uh, MLS previewing with him and see what's going on with YouTube TV and all that coming up. I am Dave Dunholm. This is the voice of uh, Southern California football here, the home for football in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. We roll on Soccer Weekly here on ESPN LA 710. As promised, coming up in just a few seconds, we will be talking with Max Brados, the voice of LAFC on YouTube TV. It is time now for the Black and Gold Breakdown. Two three breakdown!
1: It's the Black and
0: Gold Breakdown. Breakdown. Break it down like this right now. Max, let's jump right into it. Oh, I cannot wait for 2019 to kick off and this LAFC squad. What are you seeing so far, Max, as you've been around the club here? In the preseason, your thoughts as we get ready for this March 3rd kickoff?
1: Uh, first of all, it's great, Dave, to be on a team that has a stadium and a training facility from day yes. one. Yes. Everything, everything feels like it's hitting the ground running. It's, a, it's an excellent feeling, and uh, it really helps the club. I think in the big picture of things, it gives Bob Bradley and his team a chance to really identify everyone and get that vision into place. And the thing is, you know, despite not ha- in addition to not having a stadium and a, a training facility, they did really have a roster in place. It all came around really quickly, and even during the season, the additions of you know, Lee Wynn and Christian Ramirez, now these guys are in there, immersed into the team, and it's – um It's got to feel great and liberating for these guys, but there's a lot of pressure now that comes with that. But you've got to be really excited about looking at the team and kind of having that that Hoosiers moment with uh, with Coach Dale, saying, "This is your team." So it's it's good to be at that point.
0: Max, what are you seeing out of some of the new signings? Uh, You know, obviously being around the team, I like what I saw out of Eddie Segura at times. Still, some work to be done in terms of getting to know his teammates. Uh, Some of the other, you know, even uh, Lamar Batista, of course, the uh, the big tall young center back, so I like what I've seen out of a few guys.
1: Yeah, I think the additions have been great, because more than anything, they add depth at every position, and when I was yeah. looking at some of the, the the preseason games, like, okay, they got they have two good left backs, they have two good right backs, they have three center backs that they can now play in, and then you go around there, and it's pretty liberating. The midfield is going to be very competitive, uh, with, certainly on the more defensive side, if Mark Anthony K continues to get back to 100%, uh, uh, he, I think the, the big question is Andre Horta, but there's cover for that guy as well. And then you have two forwards, and you have guys with Pito Celaya, and when he gets to as well, to fill in the depth. I think Mohamed El-Munir uh, looks like she's come along really well, and a guy who can add some certainly to that left-back spot, along with Jordan Harvey also. But they're nice additions. Obviously, there might be some frustration from the fans because it's not a – dp type addition but they're guys that give you that depth and are going to push everyone else so i, I at first I was a little reluctant. and i think i was like with everybody else i want to see the, the sexy additions but i think they've done well with what they have and I, I think it goes to show that this front office is really smart they have a vision bob bradley has his playing style and they have stuck to it since day one and hopefully we see the fruits of their labor here earlier on in the season
0: Max, uh, we're talking with Max Bredos, the voice of LAFC on YouTube TV. Uh, Max, you know, we saw the fruits of the labor of Miguel Almiron paying dividends for Atlanta United, of course, the big transfer. We certainly think there's a guy on, M- uh, on the uh, LAFC team that may be uh, next in line for a pretty big move, and it's it's bittersweet, of course, because you never want to hold anybody back. You want them to make moves wherever they, you know, their career takes them, I and a guy like Diego Rossi, this is a big season for him, Max. The young Uruguayan was certainly everything we thought he would be, and maybe more last year. But he, you know, he yeah. still has to keep going. If he if he has another season like that, Max, it might be that bittersweet. We've got to say goodbye, right?
1: <laughs> I was talking to Ben to. Uh, uh writes for the club uh, at a rapid pace and gets out information quickly. So if you don't follow LAFC Vince on Twitter, you know, you'd be crazy if oh, yeah. you follow the club. Course, Vince, is Vince, Vince is a big
0: fan. Vince is one of our favorites here on, uh, on Soccer yeah, Week. He does, a, so. he
1: does a wonderful job, and he really is uh, immersed in the team more than any of us because he's there. He's a, he sees uh, every depth and as a good rapport. But we were talking about Diego Rossi about what he was going to do, and you know he exceeded every expectation. He was also, uh, we always bring up that 22, under-22 22 poll that MLS released, and the two guys in front of him are now in Europe, Tyler Adams and Alfonso Davies. So really, you could say he is the best young player in Major League Soccer. His, the workload they put on him was uh, 33 games, all the Open Cup games, and he didn't seem to be bothered by it. He seemed to really excel in it. I think he's in line for a big season, and again, it's bittersweet when I say it, because It's going to draw eyeballs. Well, let's face it, the eyeballs have already been drawn. But I think, I I really believe that he could push 20 goals this season. I mean, I don't think he's going to get there. I think he's going to get double-digit assists because that's kind of his game. But the way he breaks forward and with uh, Bella there for a full season, not interrupted by the World Cup, and some really nice passing options from that midfield. uh, I mean, this said 20 and 11. I said 17 and 10, but... We get something on the low end, like I said, or in the middle, uh, you're looking at, you're looking at an MVP candidate, really. I, I, I don't want to love pressure on it, but I think the amount of games he plays and the way he plays, I think when uh, people who are really, uh, practical in their thinking are going to go, this guy is one of the more important players in the league. And I really think we're going to see that this season, bar, uh, barring any injury or any complications, because I think he, he really is the goods.
0: Well, yeah, and people forget as great as his stats were last season, how many how many posts, how many uh, crossbars did he hit too? You know, I yeah. mean, we're talking about a game of inches, like we do with most sports. I mean, he was really dynamic. There's no doubt about it. That's why I wanted to ask the great Max Bradus yeah, about. I
1: think, about he, and, Diego and I think with his runs also, but he takes a second, and you can to can have those runs off holding off those the defensive lines. I think he's going to have them down to a tee yeah. he was so close to hitting them all the time.
0: Couldn't agree more, Max Bradus, the voice of LAFC on YouTube TV. Max, uh, turn our attention to YouTube TV. What do we have in store for 2019? You guys are growing. I'm seeing a lot of new things. I saw the thing with Ryan Russillo. What's going on with YouTube TV and the channel?
1: Uh, well, our producer, Bernard Royale, does a great job. And, you know, it was, a, it was a blank slate when we got there. But we're now populating it with a lot of programming. There is uh, the show that you saw, It's Taste of LAFC, which is our, our, our My Little Baby, because we get to go out and dine with players or people that have some connection with the club, and we're going to all the great restaurant partners we have or non-restaurant partners, just to show you, I mean, just the great dining options around Los Angeles. And that really – that I I enjoy sitting and breaking bread, as they would say, with uh, with everyone, because everyone's guarded down. So I really enjoy that show. We have LAFC in 30s. You can watch some of the games from last season, a 30-minute package. We have LAFC Black and Gold, which is our magazine show where we'll hear from the coaches and players. And we also have LAC profiles on some of the guys, and I'm missing one, but it's it's amazing. So if you go, if you get YouTube TV and you go to the LAFC channel, all those programs are there where you can view them. It's that Center Anything you need to know, in addition to listening to 710 with Dave, and you get this, you'll have everything you need to follow LAFC. And you get YouTube TV, which is uh, to me the, the best deal in town uh, if you want to stream some uh, TV and get some good channels, and you get a lot of them there of every variety. And more importantly, you get the LAFC channel. So we're really excited about that. And this is just the beginning. So I don't know, Dave, maybe we'll get me and you do a show out there. You know, the sky's the limit. So if we think of something, we're going we're to rock and roll.
0: You know, Max, I, I want to say this. I don't get paid by YouTube TV, but I am a subscriber to YouTube TV. It is phenomenal. I, I will, I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> bottom line, I, I cut the cord. And I have not looked back, quite frankly. So uh, that's uh, I, I, again, not just kissing up here. I love what, the, what everything that goes on at YouTube TV, and I love what you guys are doing for the LAFC channel. We are talking with Max, brought us the voice of LAFC. Max, um, back onto the pitch here. We talked about it before. You know, the second season, right? I think it's the most intriguing story. I know FC Cincinnati is an expansion team. And that's always fun. Obviously, we lived through that last season. It's always fun to keep an eye on the expansion team. I will be watching just about every FC Cincinnati game I can. But that's But right. to, to me, LAFC is the most intriguing story in MLS this season because of what if, what could be, right? We saw it with the entire club in the first season. You have to do it again. This is this is Major League Soccer. This is a Major League sport. You've got to do it again and more. And the schedule, hey, it's a tough one right out of the jump, Max. We've got some tough games really coming out of the gate here. And Bob Bradley's going to have to have this team ready, is he not?
1: Yeah, you have the two teams that played the Western Conference Final in the first two games. They're both at home. But uh, remember, this team started – what was that, like six games on the road last season, and, and they, 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 that was really their calling card. They're, that brought them all together. They had four wins on the road, and that set the table for a successful season where they made the postseason. Mm-hmm. After that, I mean, they were good. They were very good at home. They probably dropped some points, a lot more points along the way than they would like. They got ties instead of victories. But, I mean, that opening to the season really – from the whole campaign and put them in a nice position they were in the playoff position pretty much from the jump as a result uh so then now they're gonna have to protect the house so there's a lot of pressure i think for a quick start and it is very intriguing and i think the new the lack of uh the lack of new faces coming in to keep positions you would imagine would help but we'll see if that is the case but it's a it's a lot of. There's going to be pressure around this team. I mean, you can even sense it after season one. I mean, that means yeah, it's undue pressure on an expansion team. That's not fair at all when you're starting from scratch. But that's unfortunately not much to say. Unfortunately, but that's the way Major League Soccer is. That's the standard that's been set because of teams like Seattle, because of teams like Atlanta United, uh, who also are going to be a really interesting story as they go from Miguel Almirón to Piti Martinez. But their pressure's is not on as you because they won a title. But I think I, I think you're right on track there. The pressure. Because what happened the postseason, LAFC is right at the top of that list.
0: Max, I don't think I've ever talked to you about this. Uh, Just in general, of (laughs) course, I'm thinking of it because of LAFC's season last year. But in general, what kind of philosophy do you have when it comes to football, Max? I'm a guy, and I'll lay my uh, my philosophy out, is I believe too many American coaches would rather draw nil-nil than win 4-3, Max. That's the problem with a lot of American coaches, if you know what I mean. I'm a guy who says, let's go score four goals. And if my opponent scores five, I'll shake their hand and say, good game. What are, what are your, what's your philosophy when it comes to football?
1: I, I want to agree with that philosophy so much, Dave. And I know Bob is a guy who, who wants the, the, that attacking football. And we've seen the, the breakthrough guys, in, certainly in the Premier League, in Jurgen Klopp and uh, yeah. Pep Guardiola, who pushed that agenda. And it's worked. Yes. It's only worked for Liverpool more than anything. And now they've got good defensive players. You need really good defensive players, and Ball's going to be the first one to say, center back, there's no one who has more pressure on their shoulders than they do in his system. I know, I think in the first season, me from a very practical nature, and I would like to go after the goals, and if I have the personal to do it, even more so. But there were some moments where you just, you wish, you wish that maybe they, in lack of a better expression, parked the bus a bit to protect the lead, where that was kind of an issue last season. Sure. And I don't want to overstep my balance because I don't know about tactics. like the next. I'm a, I've seen a lot of it, but I, if I had to implement it, I don't know what I'd do. But I tend to think the game is moving that direction where you can't sit there and do the Jose Mourinho thing. You've yes. got to be aggressive and score goals. But you need the players. We just hope LAC has it. And this, that's going to be the big question here. And that's going to be the style for LACs. They're going to get after it, and they're going to try and score goals. And they hope they have the guys to do it, and they have the guys to make sure to prevent the goals on the other end. Where L.A.F.C. have scored more at the end of the game.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm perfectly fine with the killing off a game. You got to learn how to do that. Obviously, with some, and L.A.F.C. didn't do enough of that at times last season. They could have had a far, but they could have won the Western Conference quite yep. frankly, rather easily. The great Max Braz. Thanks so much for taking the time, buddy. Max, uh, what are you up to, man? Do you want to promote something here? You're doing a lot of stuff, uh, brother. I know you're the voice of LAFC on YouTube TV, but I'm seeing you elsewhere. What's going on with yeah. you? With the am I, am I wrong? Are you involved in the fight game, Max? I, I am. I've done mixed martial arts. I'm calling it for Combate Americas. Uh, I was just
1: in Mexicali. Our next card nice. is Fresno next Friday. So they're every other every other weekend, but it's been really cool. It's an up and coming company, but what I love being affiliated with is uh, Campbell McLaren, the CEO. He was part of the uh, creation of UFC, but he has created a, a place where Latino fighters, certainly from both sides of the immediate border, and they're great fighters from Mexicali and Tijuana, and they're yeah. from New Mexico and Arizona, and they're getting the chance. And there's some good ones there, so I'm along for the ride to do that and uh, sort of expand uh, the agenda there as well. With regards to mixed martial arts, but they're doing a nice job and they've empowered a lot of Latino guys from fighters to producers to directors to call the shots, which is really cool because I think a lot of, uh, uh, Latino folks have been able to do that and not have their chance. I'm just a small part. I'm just a Cuban kid who gets to call the fights, but they're doing a nice <laughs> job uh, with that. And I should say also, uh, I'm also involved in a music festival coming up May, Beach Life Festival in Redondo Beach, May 3rd to 5th. Check out the lineups and the lineup. And if you like it, Come check it out. They have Bob Weir of the Grateful Dead. They have Willie Nelson. They have Brian Wilson. It's, it's going to be a fun weekend if you if you're around. We have to we have a game on the fourth, but I'll be working on the Friday and Sunday out there doing some stuff nice. for that. So a lot of being back in California has been great, Dave. You've Got to get out and spend some time on the beach.
0: All right. Well, I appreciate that, Max. One final thing. I'll just make it super quick. He's already giving me more than a fair share of his time. <laughs> uh, I, you're you're my kind of sports fan, Max. I know you get excited about the same things I do. Who is your alliance of American football team? Mine is the Birmingham Iron, so that's where I'm going. But uh... <laughs> well, yeah,
1: that's a, who, who is it? I can't remember. There was a. Uh, I Are was you, kind of uh, looking for guys who went to Florida State. They're on teams, and there's a couple of them. I think they're but, on
0: uh, Orlando. I think there's a few of them on Orlando in the, uh, and they did a good job that first week.
1: Yeah, so. that makes sense. I'm going to go with the Hot Shots because I like that name. Nice. And they're... I think it's in the Arizona Hot Shots, correct?
0: Correct. Another uh, another it's, Victor it's, in it's week in, one.
1: Yeah, it's in, it's in memory of those firefighters off their lives. So that was their name. So I'm going for that for the feel-good story. But, hey, I think we both agree people love American football. And that's crystal clear.
0: Uh, good stuff. Uh, we, I love this guy, Max Brados, the voice of LAFC on YouTube TV. Max, thanks so much for taking the time, buddy. Appreciate it.
1: Anytime, Dave. You're the man. And we'll, we'll revisit this with our favorite XFL XFL. Yes. They debut this year.
0: <laughs> I can't wait for that either. He is the great Max Brados, the voice of LAFC on YouTube TV. Always appreciating him joining us here on the Black and Gold Breakdown stoppage time and so much more still to come. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Eastern Conference and what's going on there as well. I'm Dave Denholm, and you are listening to the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. Hey, this is Walker Zimmerman
1: of your LAFC. You're listening to the home of soccer in Southern California. It's Soccer Weekly with Dave Denholm on ESPN LA.
0: The big man in the middle is correct, Soccer Weekly. I am Dave at home, hanging out with you like we do each and every week here on the home of world football in Southern California. Hit me up on Twitter, at Soccer. Don't forget the podcast after each show, iTunes, and the ESPN Pod Center. Search Soccer Weekly, subscribe, rate, and review. And we're getting a lot of those. Thank you so much, and I appreciate that. Keep them coming as we continue to build and grow on what's been a few years now. We've been doing this for years, Mario Reese and I. We're loving every minute of it here on the home of LAFC. ESPN LA, and you know we talked earlier about the uh, Champions League and all what was going on there, and I want to talk about the Eastern Conference in MLS now. Some of the moves that have been made as we start to look towards the regular season, which kicks off on March second. LAFC begin their season the day later on March third here on ESPN LA, and I want to take a look at some of the interesting teams and moves of the Eastern Conference, right? Look, the league is expanding. We know this. We now have FC Cincinnati who will be joining the Eastern Conference in 2019. But I want to talk first about the teams that I believe have really improved themselves in this offseason, well, regardless of where they finished in 2018 and even regardless of where they might finish in 19. My point being, I just want to look at the teams who are more, most improved. Now, That doesn't mean they're going to win the East or even be a threat to it, necessarily. But these are the teams that, to me, have caught my eye for a lot of the moves they made. And first and foremost, not necessarily... Well, it's not that they're bad moves, but losing Miguel Almaron for Atlanta United is huge. We know that. Bringing in P.T. Martinez will go a long way to recovering that. But I also like a move that they made that a lot of people are probably going to think, well, it's not that big a deal. Keep an eye on Breck Shea with this team. Now, we know that Breck Shea has been up and down and mostly down at times in his MLS career, admittedly. He's had a bit of a roller coaster ride, to be sure. Certainly, if you ask FC Dallas or Vancouver fans, they're going to tell you varying stories. But he could really thrive with Atlanta and the talent that's around him there. Now they brought in Paul's brother, Florentine Pogba, help out defensively. They haven't made a ton of moves. They got rid of, you know, lost Albarone, obviously, with the sale. Greg Garza gets traded to Cincinnati, FC Cincinnati. Not a lot of other big moves either way, but they kept Joseph Martinez. They bring in PT, as we talked about. You still got Leandro Gonzalez-Perez. You still got Tito Villalba. Still got a lot of talent there. But that really, to me, watch out for Breck Shea. Again, I'm not saying he's going to be the best player on that team by any means, but I like the move. Now, the other teams that have kind of really intrigued me with their moves so far in this offseason, in the East, uh, that has to include, honestly, Montreal Impact. Now, they got rid of a ton of players. Why not, right? (laughs) Quite frankly, they were seventh in the East. Last season they were not very good, below 500, and they got rid of a lot of uh, excess baggage. Who they brought in intrigues me. In guys like Zachary Abra Gial, who's a uh, on loan from from Lyon, bringing in Akwankwo on loan from Bologna, the forward, and Maxi Arrudi. because they need help up front. Harry Navio comes in, and I even like uh, the uh, two homegrown's. The two kids. These are interesting moves to me. I think Montreal is kind of starting to kind of figure out how they want to go about things. And I'm not saying all these are going to... Look, if they all don't hit, this is a team that's still got a long way to go. I have been intrigued, though. And the guy to keep an eye on for that team is how Maxi Arruti fits in. Because he's not like a pure goal scorer. He's a pain in the neck to play against, though. He can certainly hurt you. LAFC knows that. And he's just a guy who he's a that thorn under your skin. And I want to see how he got, does there. Uh, another move that I want to uh, you know talk a little bit about, NYCFC bringing in Alexandru Mitrita. And he comes in, the Romania comes in for a transfer fee, reportedly around $9 million. <sighs> Boy, I don't know. I, to me, that team hasn't done a lot in this offseason. But if Mitrita's good, if he's, if he's legit... Then I like the move. Keaton Parks, the young American, comes in on loan from Benfica. That's another interesting move. And uh, keep an eye on that. A team that really takes the cake in the East for me, though, move-wise and, and kind of intrigue-wise is Philadelphia Union, which I never thought I'd say based on their history coming into this season. Right? And, like, Philadelphia has just been like ho-hum so far in their what short history in MLS. They lose lose Bozak-Dachkol, who I love. Bozak-Dachkol really was fantastic for them. Buckets of assists. And, you know, he was on loan. The loan expired. They couldn't get him back. But, man, the moves they've made, intriguing. Sergio Santos, I love him. I think bringing in Cornell and goalkeeper, even, on loan from Red Bull Salzburg. I like the move. But the key move is the Mexican international Marco Fabian. Coming in from Eintracht Frankfurt, if Fabian can do what they expect him to do, Philadelphia, if it all starts to gel around him, look out. Because that could be an absolute game changer for the union. They've got big plans and big aspirations. I don't know that they're going to be a top three Eastern Conference side. I know some people are already like, "Oh, they're going to make, you know, MLS competent." No, I I'm, I'm not going that far. And I won't have my official predictions for a little while yet. Okay? But I got to tell you, those are the most intriguing teams so far in the offseason in the East. Just the moves that they've made. Now, again, that doesn't mean DC United's going to be bad. don't hear, you know, don't mistake what I'm saying. But those are the teams that I guess have made the, the moves where I'm most keen to look out for. What teams are going to move up and down in the East, though, overall? I do think the Red Bulls will step back to the pack a little bit. They had a dynamic season, winning the Supporter Shield. They were the best team in MLS record-wise. Unbelievable at home. Pretty darn good on the road. I and mean, they're just hard to beat. They might take a little step back from that, let's be honest. I do also think that uh, New York City FC might have a little bit of a harder time overall. And Columbus Crew. It's great that the crew were saved. Hopefully their fans will just come out in droves because of it. Also, don't expect TFC now. Losing Jovinko, not because it was such a bad move based on his age and that what he wanted to get paid and all that, but replacing him with Terrence Boyd, that's a whole different animal. And I'm not saying they're a like-for-like like replacement. That's not really what they're doing. But I'm not so sure Toronto FC is going to climb up the standings so easily either. Also, if you're looking at, well, Denholm, tell me about FC Cincinnati. I don't know that I'm loving what they're doing. A lot of, uh, it's kind of a mixture, it's weird. A lot of old players, and then a lot of youth. And not a lot of in-between to me. Well, I shouldn't say that. There's a lot of veteran leaders. You know, look, a guy like Greg Garza is a nice move. you surround surrounded with uh, other MLS talent defensively, you hope guy like Kendall Waston comes to mind I love the move for Hassan Nadam in the uh, expansion draft but other moves you're kind of shaking your head a little bit Roland Lamar okay Eh, Darren Maddox eh, Kai Kamara at his age really Uh, you know eh. even Fernando Adi I guess I don't know but then of course they move Kamara you know, when they did it, I was like, what are you doing? Then they, they trade Kamara. So they made some moves around things to kind of, you know, the expansion draft, obviously. It just, I'm shaking my head a little bit. Victor Ulloa, I like. Even like Premislaut Teton, I like bringing in that goalkeeper. I actually enjoyed watching him while covering Europa League over the years and, and Europe when I worked at Fox there because he was on a couple of teams. That was I kind of remember him. They just brought in Kakuta Mane on a free transfer, intriguing player. I'm not saying all these moves are terrible or anything. Who knows? FC Cincinnati's going to have a very good home field advantage in all likelihood. Keep an eye out for that. I just am not sure this is like on the level of an Atlanta United or LAFC by any means in terms of putting together a team. That's the bottom line. And this league is too good to not bring it full force if you're an expansion side. You might get run over, Minnesota United. Look how long it's taken them. But we will, look, we'll break down more of the Western Conference, too, and then I'll have, you know, more predictions and things more solidly over the next couple of weeks. I can't wait. What are you most looking forward to on this Valentine's Day that we love the beautiful game, right, and I love MLS? What are you most looking forward to in this season? Whether you're a Galaxy fan, LAFC, or another team, or you just love the league. Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. I want to know what you are most looking forward to in 2019 when it comes to Major League Soccer. And the answer is simple for me. How does LAFC respond in year two? And we've already outlined that. We'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. That is my key question for all of Major League Soccer because if they respond the way I think and hope they can, it might be the only question. In MLS in 2019, if you know what I'm saying, i.e., MLS Cup, and then Champions League, and let's get it, let's get it going. Hit me up on Twitter at Talk Your key, I guess, well, the thing you're most looking forward to coming up in 2019 in MLS. I'm looking forward to stoppage time, which we have each and every week. That's still to come so much more to get to. I am Dave Dunholm, and you are listening to the Home of World Football here in Southern California. This is ESPN LA 710. Earlier in the hour, we talked with Max Brados of LAFC on uh, he's the voice of LAFC on YouTube TV. If you missed any of this show or that interview or anything, go check out the uh, podcast Soccer Weekly on iTunes or the ESPN Pod Center or your other podcatchers and uh, subscribe, rate and review, please. That will help, certainly, and we appreciate Max joining us. We appreciate you joining us each and every week here. Coming up, by the way, next week will be a Wednesday edition of the show. That's Wednesday, February 20th, so just mark that down. Keep it in your phone or whatever. Just don't do that while you're driving here, all right? If you want to hit me up on Twitter and uh, converse with the show, it is at Talk Soccer. That's where I live. On Twitter, on Instagram, it's Dave underscore Denholm. Time now for everybody's favorite segment. It is Stoppage Time. What time is it? It's Stoppage Time.
1: Yeah,
2: it's Stoppage Time.
0: It's Stoppage Time. Right now. Joining us now, the... Uh producer of Stoppage Time and the producer of LAFC here on ESPN LA, He is the great Mario Reeves. Mario, what's going on, buddy?
2: Dave, can I let you know what I'm looking forward to most this upcoming yes,
0: season? Yes, in MLS, we want to know. You can hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. Mario, what is your big thing that you're looking forward to?
2: I gotta tell you, man, I'm looking forward to LAFC playoffs. I mean, I know I can't jump the gun and say, you know, what about the regular season, but <laughs> the, way it, the way we were so successful, LAFC was so successful last season in this inaugural yeah. season, but then it just All of a sudden, just abruptly ended in that knockout stage. I felt like there was so much more to to give and to do Uh, this upcoming season. I think uh, a lot more deeper run in the playoff. That's what I'm looking forward to. And it's
0: all that one you know. It's one game. It's the knockout stuff. It's like oh man. It is going to be good. I don't hate. I don't hate what you're. I don't hate what you're trying to sell me there, Mario. I'm looking forward to it as well. <laughs> Can't wait. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what else is going on in the world, Mario? We got Don Garber, the uh, commissioner of MLS.
2: Uh, he just signed a new five-year contract to remain commissioner of MLS. Uh, one that's going to see him lead the league throughout the end of 2023.
0: You what know do you think this about is- that it's not always a popular take and Mario, I get accused sometimes of kind of going after people a lot or going after institutions or going after rules or whatever, like video assisted replay and all that. I think Don Garber has been a magnificent commissioner in MLS. Is he perfect? Of course not. I do think there are some things that MLS has to work on undisputably, uh, undisputed about that, right? There's a lot of things. Every league has its issues and MLS is no different, Mm -hmm. but I think he has been utterly tremendous. Now I don't, like, I have no tie with Don Garber or anything like that. I, we've never even had him on this show, I don't think, in the years that we've been doing this. So I don't know the man or anything like that. I just know what he's done. Oh, and yeah, the, the is, growth of the yeah, league is amazing. It's grown by leaps and bounds. Look, he's a former NFL guy. He he got some NFL owners involved. Let's be realistic. Yeah. It's not always a bad thing. You know, I mean, I was worried about Atlanta. It seemed to work out fine. Yeah, that worked out great. Yep. So, you know, I, he's been right about an awful lot of stuff. When it comes to running this league, and quite frankly, right now, if you look at it, he's one of the best commissioners in all of sports in America. He really is. Almost every
2: single team in the league has a soccer-specific stadium. Yeah, I mean that's
0: great. Now there are again, there's been some issues, no doubt. And anybody can point to anybody doing their job, from Don Garber on down to me or whatever. Who nobody's going to be perfect, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm actually glad. You know what it is too, Mario. It's stability for a league that still needs stability. Even after 20 plus seasons, almost 25 seasons now, they need they need that. Even with the expansion and the rapid growth, they need stability, and he brings that to MLS. It's a good signing.
2: Yeah, talk about growth here. Uh, this is on Jeff Carlisle's piece that he did for ESPN FC uh, about Garber here. And this is, this says, according to Forbes, the average value of an MLS franchise is now $240 million compared to $37 million in 2008. That's all you need to know. That's, that's some all
0: growth the, right there. That's all the owners need to know. That's seven times their money. Uh, more than seven times the value. So those franchises have gained over 700%. In value since Don Garber took over. That's all you need to know. That's huge. All
2: right, Dave. Now we have, uh, Josie Mourinho. We're going to check out the cost uh, of him getting sacked. Oh boy. Uh, according to accounts released by the club on Thursday, the sacking of, uh, Mourinho was 19.6 million pounds. How much is that in the US dollars, Dave?
0: Uh, uh-huh. I did the math, Mario, but right before you started, twenty-five million bucks to get rid of the dude. Wow, twenty-five million. Now, some of that I believe goes to his assistants, but most of it is because Jose Mourinho was making anywhere upwards of twenty-plus million dollars a season to basically drag Man United down into the depths of mediocrity in terms of their football. Wow, that is some expensive bad football right there. I'll tell you. You can never say bad football about stoppage time in the great Mario Rees. Mario, thanks so much, buddy. Thank awesome you, Dave. job. Really appreciate that. Thanks to everybody who's listening. Check out the podcast at Soccer Weekly. Check it out, like search it on iTunes or the ESPN Pod Center. I am Dave Dunholm. This is Soccer Weekly on the home of world football here in Southern California, ESPN LA.